Three, two. All right, welcome back to this week's edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. I guess Lakina won't be following me on that one, huh? <laughs> <laughs> what up? Okay, Zoom Style or something oh, like that. There, there we go, go. yeah. <laughs> I, am, I am Sid the Kid, joined by Miss Lakina McGee as always. And this week we have a very special guest. She's from CN100 Sports covering high school football and basketball in Chicago. Also, she is the field reporter for the all-women's baseball team, the Chicago Bandits, is Miss Casey Sandahar. Casey, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're doing just fine. Yeah. So uh, before we get started, tell our audience where can they follow you on social media. So I am on Twitter. It's at Casey Standahar, and I'm sure we can, uh, and my last name's kind of long, so it's S-T-A-N-D-O-H-A-R. Some people butcher it all the time. And then I'm on Instagram. It's just at Casey Stando, so I shortened it for Instagram, but I'm pretty easy to find because my last name is so weird, so. <laughs> oh, goodness. Just real quick before we get, get started, I'll give the short edited version of the story. She stalked me on Twitter and I stalked her on Instagram, so that's how we know each that's other. That's right. Oh, you, gotta, you gotta do it. <laughs> she can go in there. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> All right, so so Casey, um, where were you born and how did you get the bug of um doing what you're doing right now? That's a great question. I was actually born in Northeast Ohio. So I'm from the Youngstown area, um, which is about 45 minutes from Cleveland, 45 minutes from Pittsburgh. So we've got a lot of Browns, Steelers, rivalry fans up where I'm from. My family still lives there. I went to college there. Um, I studied journalism. And then I quickly fell in love with writing and editing, but then it kind of turned into the TV side. And then I realized, hey, I can do this with sports. I love sports. My brother played uh, college baseball. I played sports as a kid. My dad was a great golfer. And sports was such a big part of our family that I just feel like I, I got the bug then. And I went from there. And I figured sometimes, as we know right now, news can be pretty depressing. So I said, why not do sports? Why not tell stories that people love about triumph and troubles and, and different things people go through that have to do with athletics and how it shapes them and helps them grow? So um, I just love telling stories. I love being a storyteller in that way. And then I moved to Chicago because I said, hey, I want to be in a bigger sports town. I want to be in a bigger sports market. There's so many uh, great teams here. And I moved here in November of 2018. So I haven't even been here a full two years. I'm still pretty new. So, and then, yeah, I've just been, you know, just getting my feet wet wherever I can, sticking my nose probably where it doesn't belong, but I've been involved <laughs> with the Bandits. I did some work with the Frontier League teams down uh, in Crestwood, the Windy City Thunderbolts. Worked with their baseball team last summer just a little bit. Did some uh, color commentary and some sideline reporting there for the radio. And then CN100 Sports uh, happened last fall. And that was just such a blessing for me because I love covering these high school athletes in basketball and football. It's been great. Did you play any organized sports growing up, grade school, high school, college? 
In grade school, I played uh, softball. I played second base. And I kind of stopped because I fell into, uh, I fell in love with dance and cheerleading and doing majorette. So then I was a majorette for our college football team. So I twirled the baton at Michigan State Stadium because our team was like the throwaway game for Michigan State. Because uh, we weren't very good. So there, there I was like, you know, terrified about to go on the 50 yard line at the at Spartan Stadium. So I mean, it's been, a, it's been a really cool experience. I still love sports, even when I was dancing, still tried to stay involved with sports. And uh, I even worked with the Columbus Blue Jackets for a while, the NHL team in Columbus, because I wanted to get involved in sports there. And I was a cheerleader for them. So any way I could incorporate my love for performance and sports and dance, I did it. Uh, before I uh, kick it back to Lakina, um, you talk about your days as a cheerleader. Uh, we've been looking at ESPN over the last, I'd say, at least 10, 15 years that uh, cheerleading is, is a competitive sport. Some people say it isn't. Some people say, is it, say that, that it is. Where do you fall on that since you, you were in that field? Well, I think it's highly competitive because these, these women and young girls even are challenged every day to beat the other teams. You're competing against other teams, your athletic training, you're doing push-ups, you're doing running drills, you're lifting each other up, you're, um, you have to practice. So I think anything that involves practice, competition, and training should be considered a competitive sport. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And though those those ESPN cheerleading competitions always rate very high. So no, somebody's watching them. And they, I didn't get that far, but oh well. <laughs> even still, even still, but uh, but nonetheless. Um, so uh, do you have like a favorite like high school stadium or gymnasium that you that you went that went to this past year? Even though it was unfortunate a lot, well the the, the winter stuff you know with basketball was cut short, but. Was, do you have like a favorite like you know stadium or gym that you were able to cover? There's a couple that come to mind. I've been to some really cool old uh, basketball stadiums where it feels like you're kind of like in this old you know gym and the the seats yeah. are still the same. Um, I have to think, but one thing that stands out in my mind is Lake Forest High School's football stadium. Yeah. Um, it was a freezing cold game there at Lake Forest and um, the scouts ended up winning and it was so cold that the team went straight into the locker room after the game. And I normally do my interview on the sideline post game. And I was like, I'm running after the, the kid and I'm trying to get the quarterback. <laughs> out the and I had to run into the locker room with them because it was so freezing. No one could feel their hands or feet or anything. So I got to do my post game interview with them in the locker room, which was different for me for one. It was new and it was very exciting because all the players were so stoked about this big win. So they were yelling and cheering and it, it kind of challenged me to uh, do my interview in, in a different setting because I was definitely nervous uh, and I could barely hear my own questions being asked. So that, that stands out in my mind. That was a really cool experience. Oh, so much fun. Uh, okay, so where do you where do you want to start? I mean, we got a lot to get to today these these next couple of hours. So where do you want to where do you want to start? Uh, let's start with uh, college football because there's been some talk um, over these last few days. The Northern Dame athletic director, I forget his name, but the, he was on a Zoom uh, like we are now Zoom conference call. And there he was talking about how some colleges going to want to start on time and other schools to say not so much. It depends on what states are there, and they want to start later. And I was listening to Joe Klatt, the a college football analyst for Fox Sports, and, and he was saying that he talked to some people over the last couple of days, and he said, I think we will see college football in the fall. They may start on time, but 
yeah, from what he was saying that they may start with they will have some fans how many he doesn't know but you may see some rescheduling maybe the conference games and some of these big time conferences will will um, be played first because we all know during the first two three weeks of college football you have these out of conference matchups and in particular your big schools beating up on these small schools but they may um, change that it depends on what happens in the next uh, couple of months I want to get your opinion on it first Lakina uh, I, I kind of had that feeling whatever college football does, I think the NFL will learn from it, uh, what to do and not to do, and then uh, carry on from there. But um, we talked about last week with the Alyssa Bergamini. Uh, if, if there's some type of crowd control there, will the, will tailgate be, in a, will be involved? And how many fans do you let in, in these stadiums? And we used the example the last few weeks of the University of Michigan. They hold uh, 110,000 people. Uh, as of right now, you, that's not going to happen. Will it that be cut in half? Will it be 20,000 people or what? I, we, right now, we just don't know. I want to start with you. Like, with uh, college football, at least the schedule being uh, possibly shifted around to start off the season. Liz, like I've been saying the last couple of weeks, Sid, and Casey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, you know, to uh, uh, patch you in this too. Um, places like, you know, places like Michigan State, the big house, Places like you know, you know uh, Brian Denny Stadium down in Auburn and Kinnick Stadium over in you know Alyssa's alma mater Iowa. I mean, you're not going to be able to fit all those folks in all the stadium, or you're going to have to, like you said, they have to cut it a third, cut it in half. Like I, listen, I've been saying this for the last few weeks. I mean, the NCAA needs to get together with these conference commissioners and figure out how are we going to do this. I mean, like you said, Sid. I mean, some states are kind of softening up. Some states have already said that they are going to open up and start practicing with all their athletes, even though some schools have said that they're not going to do that this fall. So mm-hmm. you gotta, everyone has to kind of come together and figure out what they're going to do. I mean, because you, you can't have, like, some schools be able to do full steam ahead and then, like, other schools not be able to. You just can't do it. So I, I think for me, they're all going to have to kind of get together and figure out what they're going to do. Are they going to have to maybe, like like you said, cut the capacity to maybe like a third or do it like carry a dome style where you cordon off some areas? Are you going to be able to tailgate? I think you can probably forget about that. So I think they always need to kind of get together and figure out what they're going to do because you're kind of keeping – some of these schools are in limbo here. Casey? Yeah, you know, I think – honestly, guys, I think – I heard the commissioner say that, that the sports won't return, NCAA sports won't return in the fall. I just feel like we can't afford to get this wrong in the face of this p- pandemic. Like, if we get this wrong and people rush to, you know, open and bring fans back in and then we're pushed back even further, I think that hurts sports for way longer than this. And sometimes, unfortunately, I feel like the NFL, uh, with their whole hype over the schedule release, I think sometimes the NFL thinks they're like above what's happening here. I don't mean to offend any NFL fans, but I, sometimes I feel like they think they're above it and it's just not the case. And I feel like the NCAA is taking steps and precautions to really think about these things because if schools aren't back, then should college football games be back and college sports be back in general? I mean, but in the same breath, I get it. I want to be a fan too. I mean, I can't imagine NFL or college football stadiums with seats in between that everyone is kind of split and separated. So it might be the right solution, but at the same time, I think it'll be so odd to have those places not packed and to be kind of sitting with, you know, whoever you're with, but then there's four seats between you guys. And then, I don't know, it's going to change everything. I, it's sad, but true. I think both of you guys bring up uh, very interesting points. And let's be honest here. The NFL uh, is presented in a television <laughs> type form. You know, we get to 
uh, shots of the of aerial shots of the crowd before the game starts. In the same way with college football, and people pay attention as well. So you bring up an interesting point, Casey. Uh, even though it won't be nice, we're using the University of Michigan as an example. You don't, we won't see 110,000 people, but I think most people, including yours truly, will do to the situation we're in right now. You'd rather say at least 50,000 people or 25,000 people than no fans. And with all these big-time conferences, I think everybody has to be on the same page because uh, unfortunately it all comes down to money, especially with ESPN, Fox, and CBS and all these uh, big-time networks have all paid big-time money to air these games. So some schools start while others don't play. That's just not right. And we said this on, the, on our show in the last few weeks. If the students don't um, uh, come back to the fall then, and, and the players are playing, especially uh, in the stadium with no fans, that just doesn't seem right. So I think that we will see some college football in the fall, but I don't think we won't see uh, 50,000 fans or more, uh, not right away. I think they'll be brought in slowly. But I just – some schools playing and some schools are not that, – that just doesn't seem right. I, I just don't see how you can pull that off. I agree. Yeah, they need to, yeah, the, these conferences in the ESL need to get together and figure out, okay, what's going to be the plan, you know, phase one, phase two, because it, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be right. I mean, you know, Casey went to an FCS school and you got to think that those, those schools are probably going to be kind of in the brunt of this too. So it'll be interesting to see how the lower divisions, how they're going to be able to kind of yeah adjust this new normal. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. I mean, We've been hearing different things, and we're listen, we're in May now, so we're still a long way off of how when these these guys are going to be able to go back to practice if they're going to be able to at all. So right. they need to get together and figure out what they're going to do here. Yeah, I can agree with you, Marlon Lakina. Like, so you still have a little bit more time, but not too much time because the well, the regular season for college football starts around Labor Day weekend, yeah. the last week in August, and first weekend of September before the NFL starts. So you still have a little bit more time, but not that much time as you think. Because let's be honest here, with the situation they were in right now, it was March, mid-March, when we had the stay-at-home order. Yep. At least to say that we're living in Illinois now, we're almost in the middle of May. So that's been two full months. So was, if, uh, even though all the get days, it seems like it runs together. It flew by just like that. So the NCAA, on, they're talking right now. But I will – I do think that we will see games in the fall, but it will be uh, monetized in terms of the crowd. Uh, uh, how many yeah. fans that you allow in the stands? Now, as I said before, uh, we as us as sports fans, do we all want to rush into those stadiums the next day? Absolutely. But if you don't have a contingency plan, first for the players and then for the fans, both of them have to coincide together. If they, if you don't have uh, contingency plans for safety for for both parties, uh, none of this will will happen. Right. Exactly. You look at what MLB's doing. I mean, you know, that there the more and more stuff's coming out. I mean, we talked about it last week, Sid, about separating like ten, you know, ten teams in each you know, three divisions. And then you have like maybe all coming into like Vegas. Some people have said maybe uh Phoenix, Arizona, or maybe I've heard some people say maybe even Florida. So baseball, they're they they're kind of you know, both the owners and the players are kind of figuring out something because they're losing a lot of money right now. Mm-hmm. A lot of these games are supposed to be going on. So what do you guys think of what's going to happen here with the with, with the baseball? Because they're kind of, they're kind of kind of in the same situation. Yeah, nice transition, Lakina. Uh, where I was going to bring up baseball, it looks like we may be getting it back slowly. Although MLB hasn't confirmed anything officially yet. Uh, no, there's a few teams that were told to uh, get their players together and start getting ready. 
as we talked about before, like you know, before any games uh, uh, get played, they need uh, about a two or three week spring training, spring training, and to get their timing down, to get back conditioned. Let's be honest, not everybody has a gym in their house, so uh, so right. everybody's not working out for five to ten hours a day. So and plus you have players spread across the country, across the globe, and in particular the Latin American players. So. You have to get them back in time for them to uh, to start spring training. So, but it looks like baseball is just starting to um, get back slowly. I still I felt that base out of the four major pro sports that baseball will be the first one to get to be the first ones to get back. It looks like it's starting to happen, but slowly. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad because you know I was even talking to my my boyfriend yesterday, and he was like, "I've been watching Korean baseball on TV because that's what they're airing. They're airing Korean games, and who knew there was all these teams in Korea that were playing too?" But I don't know. It'll be it'll be odd to have a silent stadium. You know, it'll be odd to see if if they're gonna play and do spring training. How long is the season going to last? And then how long are there going to be kind of no fans there? I mean, I would just love to watch an MLB game on TV in the comfort of my own apartment. That's okay. That's enough for me for now. We'll take the scraps as we can get them. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Casey. Well, I like to be out there just like the rest of everybody else in the stands, yes. <laughs> but if this is what we have to live through for short, short term, I'll take it. Now, I'm sure I'm one of the few that haven't checked out a second of Korean baseball on ESPN, but that's okay. But because, you know, we all <laughs> no, have been bored out of our minds. But... You know, like you say, we just got to take it in scraps and then just be patient. Trust me, I have a big impatient bone in my body, but this is the <laughs> steps that it has to take for us to get our sports back into full capacity. I'm all for it. Right. Totally agree. Now, as you know, speaking of, I mean, the NBA, today is sort of the day when some of these teams are going to be opening up their practice facilities. And we, we've heard about different, like, different plans. We've talked about the last few weeks, Sid, about the NBA and what, what they're going to do because they're sort of trying to figure out, okay, do, you know, get access to testing, you know, getting more and more teams involved, maybe have the players and the coaches tested daily to kind of, like, I guess, to make sure that they don't have any symptoms. So what do you guys think about what the NBA is trying to do? You know, sort of, sort of doing the same thing what baseball is doing. I think in the NBA is right on track because in, first the coaching staff and like you said, like uh, we all know that older people are at risk for this coronavirus, so uh, you have to t- take care of them right there. Also, obviously the players are second because uh, they're we pay to see them, so they're a big asset as well. So well, as long as there are enough testing for everybody, for players, staff, and the coaching staff, and everybody else that are involved. I'm all for like like we said before we were talking about college football. As as long as the safety of the players are first, you have a contingency plan for it. Everything else should fall in line. Now, not to get off sidetrack a little bit, but uh, I think as we said before, it, the longest this goes, the regular season, even though it was about 12, 13 games left for most of these teams, uh, I hate to say it, but the regular season is over. Yeah. Once again, you're going to have about a two two to three week training camp, and then you just jump right into the playoffs. I don't think I think the regular season is over. Once you have this training camp for the NBA, whenever that is, you're going to jump right into the playoffs. Now, are you going to have a full seven game series of rounds one through four? Will it be the best of five, best of three, or will it be like March Madness? We don't know, but I I think it's safe to assume that the regular season is over. Now you uh, you gotta figure out how you're going to do this playoff format because of the situation we're in right now. 
I mean, you know, today is the day that the Trailblazers and then the Cleveland Cavaliers open up these practice facilities for at least social distancing workouts and for at least just, you know, um, these just individual workouts. But I think it's still really unclear. I mean, like you said, the finals are supposed to be starting in June. This is the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, in your opinion, do you guys think that they could – even have that small season that extends into the fall, especially if there's no college sports and, you know, pro football happening right away? Like, can we just shift the whole chain? Oh, that's going to be difficult. Uh, so yeah. If you know for sure that college uh, football won't be starting on time, then maybe they can go ahead and do that. But right now, we just don't know. That's just that's where I stand on it. Yeah, from yeah. what I've read, the NFL has already said that they're gonna they may push put some games, even though they did their schedule release and their mm-hmm. you know the big to do last night. I would be surprised if they may move a couple of their mar- marquee games to Saturday in case there is no college football, or at least the season's delayed. Now, as far as maybe the NBA playoffs are concerned, I mean, do you do sort of like a best of three or five for the early rounds, then maybe just do a best of five for the finals? Do you just like top eight teams or do you just you know pick it up from the top four or maybe do a top six and then just have the top two seeds get a bye I, I mean there, there's still a lot that needs to be figured out here and I don't know at, at, at this point I think there's I think Adam Silver I'll give him credit you know this is all he's playing all this by ear which is probably a smart thing for him to do I think he got all his you know, all his ducks in a row and maybe have like contingency plans and stuff so 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 we'll see I mean you know some teams are, pra- are doing the social distancing practicing thing like Casey just said and it'll be interesting to see what, what they do here because this is unprecedented. We haven't gone through this before. So it'll be interesting to see what, 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 what they do here. I want to get your guys' opinion on this. I know this has been flowing around uh, for about at least the last year or so, even before this uh, uh, pandemic they were in right now. And I think the NBA can try this. This would be the perfect time. Uh, the, your top 16 teams, of course, the, uh, what it is right now is the, your top eight teams from each conference make the playoff. You can try uh, this year, just I know they don't want to do this, but this is a special situation that we're in right now. Just have the top 16 teams and just go at it for um, maybe not in a, a March Madness style, but at least the best three out of five, like you had the first rounds back in the day, or you just have a, a Maybe just the best uh, three out of five, uh, all four rounds, but just have the best 16 teams. Now, if you get uh, – I know the league fears this, but you can have a, a Golden State, assuming that they're healthy here, but not this year. But assuming that uh, you have – we all thought that the Clippers and the Lakers were going to meet this year in the Western Conference Finals. I know the league fears this, but if they meet up in the first round or second round, if you have this format, so be it. But – I wouldn't mind them trying that out just for this year, only because of the situation we're in. So I think that'll be fun. Just have the top 16 teams just go battle it out. But we all know that the networks, i.e. ESPN and Turner, have a lot of say in this. So <laughs> I don't know that gets, uh, this idea gets pulled up. But I would like to see it just for this situation that we're in right now. Moving forward, I don't know. But I would like to see them try it out, at least for, <laughs> for the summer. Just I Go, go ahead, Casey. I like it. I do like it. I agree with you. I think it'd be cool, but I think you're going to bruise a lot of egos. You know, you're thinking about the players (laughs) and you're thinking about, well, where will we be and how can we judge based on where we finished so far in the middle of the season? I don't know. I think it, it's a bummer because it doesn't leave room for any upset, but 
Well, yeah, I think I think television too. Like you just said, that they television plays a part. That's why that'll never happen. <laughs> Even though they have talked yeah, about unfortunately. it. Unfortunately. Yeah, I'll say yeah. So I don't think there's a Turner and ESPN. They're not going to want to have the Lakers and the Clippers <laughs> face each other in the first round. They're just not going to want to do that. So, and you know, the, the Bucs and the Clippers and the Bucks and Lakers. So they 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 don't want to do. They're not going to want to do that. So. That's why it'll be interesting, but that'll never happen. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess we got NBA 2K, right? Exactly. That's probably the only way you'll be able to do that. <laughs> exactly. That's probably the only way you'll be able to do that. <laughs> My goodness. Um, oh, okay. What else? So we're still so much stuff to go. So where do you want to go to next? Uh, I want to go back to uh, Casey's um, journey through her broadcasting career since uh, – I cover hockey for our website at weareregalradio.com. Casey, how did you get involved with the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, organization? How did you get started working with that that fine organization? Well, you know, I honestly lived pretty close to Nationwide Arena, and I worked pretty close to it, too, and during my full-time job, and I just started going to hockey games, and I didn't grow up loving hockey. Um, My dad didn't really watch it. We were a baseball, football, basketball family, but... um, I started watching some games, started going to some games, and they're a smaller market team, but it was fun to go. I liked the fast pace of hockey. I loved how it moved. I loved how excited the fans were. And so the following year, there was an opportunity to audition for their promo team and their cheerleading team. And I just kind of jumped on it. I just thought, this is me. This is up my alley. I've been a college majorette. I've been a you know professional dancer before. I can do this. And it truly was a really cool experience because it wasn't just about looks or you know your dancing ability. It was also about how you interact with fans and how like fun you can be, how silly you can be, how how off the cuff you can think quickly on your feet. Um, so I auditioned and it was intimidating as hell. It was very scary, but I auditioned and then I got, um, I got selected, uh, with about 15 other girls. And then there was some guys on our squad too. So it was a blast. I mean, i I met some of the most amazing season ticket holders, fans throughout that process. Um, the players were all very nice, um, on the team. They didn't make you feel like, weird to be around them or next to them because you pass them and then coach John Tortorella in the hallway and he can be very intimidating on camera and in interviews but honestly with practice and with passing him in the halls he's actually a really nice humble guy so oh he's actually a nice guy he didn't yell at you yeah I know crazy yeah I never would have thought that that is a shock yeah Sports didn't yell at me. I know he was intense uh, in his former roles, and he's still intense now. I don't know that I'd want to be – I'm good friends with the ringside reporter for the Blue Jackets. I don't know that I'd want to be him still because <laughs> I think uh, if you say the wrong thing or ask the wrong question, you're going you're gonna to hear about it. But he was nice to me. I did see him a few times. So I have nothing but good things to say, even though I know what, what everyone sees. <laughs> Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I I tell people all the time that they haven't been to a hockey game, you know, at least go to a couple to experience it because uh on TV you can watch basketball and you you uh watch it in a certain type of way, along with baseball and football as well as we talked about foot and the NFL in particular is a is a TV sport, but you go to a hockey game, uh you see everything that you don't see on TV. Uh it's it's nonstop action, very few breaks in between. You really have to concentrate on the puck and concentrate on the action. And it's just the atmosphere around it. Of course, we can attest to this here in Chicago, looking because of the, uh, except for the last three years, but 
with the recent success of, of the Chicago Blackhawks with the three Stanley Cups. We'll get into them later, but you know, just uh, experiencing a hockey game live, those who haven't experienced it, uh, you should check it out w- whenever they return. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. Uh, the uh, Even though the Blue Jackets had a good run last season, we swept Tampa Bay and almost, you know, made it. We don't have any Stanley Cups yet like you guys do, but um, – yeah, the atmosphere is just electric at a hockey game, no matter where you are. Have you been to a Blackhawks game yet, Casey? I have. Yeah, I saw them play. Oh, good, the Jackets. good. Yeah, I saw them play the Jackets twice, actually. Um, so, because a lot of my friends were in town when they would play uh, here in Chicago, so definitely love the UC. I definitely love how classic it is. It's different than Nationwide Arena because Nationwide Arena is a little newer, a little more open, and mm-hmm. then the course at the UC is a little tighter. But that's just you know old school. Yeah, the only player that I liked, not saying I hated anybody from the Blue Jackets, the only player uh, from the Columbus Blue Jackets that stood out to me, I know he's retired now, was uh, Rick Nash. He was, yes. one of the, oh, love him. he was one of the best underrated players for his size and for his, for his time and why he, uh, why he was there. Yeah, he's pretty well-liked still in Columbus, too. And then okay. while we had uh, Artemi Panarin, we enjoyed that as well. I know we oh, 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 guys, we miss him. We miss him dearly. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we do, too, now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, now he's making all that money in a big market with the New York Strangers, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> that's I what he wanted. Strangers, not Rangers. Uh, exactly. Oh, okay. Now, um, <laughs> same with hockey, um, uh, with, uh, with their sports fandom growing up, Casey, as we talked with Casey Sandahar of CN100 Sports here in Chicago on Second City Sports Zoom style. Uh, Casey, um, where were some of your favorite um, – Memories of being a sports fan growing up in, in Ohio? That's a good question. I loved going to Indians games with my dad. Going to Jacobs Field, which is now Progressive Field, was so much fun. We um, would go down to meet the players beforehand. I met Kenny Lofton and, um, gosh, Alomar, Omar Vizquel. I mean, just meeting some of the guys as, like, a seven- or eight-year-old kid. But, like, I was wearing, like, this – ugly plaid Indians hat with the Chief Wahoo on the front, which they no longer use. And it was like a plaid hat and I had a big gap <laughs> in my teeth and a brace get. But I was so excited to meet my favorite athletes. And then more recently, having the All-Star game last year in Cleveland at Progressive Field was just so exciting. I got to go back for that. And um, it was really great to see how um, people kind of embrace the city of Cleveland because a lot of, Cleveland gets a lot of flack. It, 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 people are like, oh, it's just Cleveland, you know, but it is a nice stadium. It is a good ballpark. And I love the way they, the whole city kind of turned out and did the red carpet for um, all the different all-stars. So that was a cool experience to kind of see it come full circle from my childhood. Without due respect, Casey, with love, this is going back to nice because I, I was born in 1980, but I'm still 29. That's my last offer. Number two. <laughs> During the 90s, with all due respect, during the 90s, I'm a White Sox fan, but during the 90s, boo to Cleveland because you guys were good and while the White Sox were struggling in there. So I kind of envy you guys, but I will will say (laughs) during the 90s, the Cleveland did have have some great teams. I don't know if you guys caught the the special MLB Network, but uh, they did a documentary on those 90s Indians teams, and they were there were some um, great players on those teams. They just couldn't get it done as far as World Series is concerned. Did you have a chance to watch that yet? I have not seen that. I'd like to check that out. Okay. I forgot what it's called. My mind's going blank. But 
I'm gonna look it uh, up. The, the I think it's called the dynasty that almost was. Yeah, so, so, something like yeah. that. Yeah, I know what you're talking yeah. about. I feel so bummed yeah. because though those were some really great Indian teams, and unfortunately yeah. they weren't able to make it all the way to the promised land. So, well, yeah. Still, still in 2016, we weren't able to do it. But you know, the yeah. Cubbies, uh, the Cubbies got it done. People that I know, I tell them I'm an Indians fan still, and I ha I do like the Cubs. I have a picture of Wrigley Field in my in my apartment. I live near Wrigley. I'm in Lakeview, so I still do like the Cubs. People are like, "How did you forget 2016 so fast?" Listen, <laughs> <laughs> if we if we were gonna lose to a team, it was gonna be the Cubs, and it's okay. But now we've got the the longest drought, so I guess that's all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just go, going back to those uh, Indians teams. Yeah, Jim Tomey, who in his career with the White Sox, one of the last teams he played for. He had a young Manny Ramirez before the steroids, but that's a whole other issue. Yeah, right. Oral Hershiser, <laughs> who extended his career about two or three years after his uh, fame with the Dodgers. Yeah, Eddie Murray before you know, he was elected to a Hall of Fame. Like you mentioned, Casey, you had Kenny Lofton, and love yeah, um, yeah, you had just yeah, uh, Jose Mesa. Uh, the closer, he had that drama between him and um, what's that shortstop, Omar Vizquel. They get yep. into that in that documentary by MLB Network. We won't give it all the way here, but um, <laughs> no, you had a, a, a talented roster one through nine, and also what's a uh, second baseman, Carlos Baerga. He was very good too. Not to me, people talk about him, but uh, he had a loaded lineup uh, during those years with the Cleveland Indians in the 90s. That's right. We did. And have you guys lately, speaking of Omar Vizquel, seen his ball handling skills still? He, I saw a video of him playing catch a while back, and he's still just, like, so quick. Oh, my gosh. So much. <laughs> Didn't check it out, but I know he wants to become manager at some point, so I, I, I won't doubt it that he'll become a manager of a big league team at some point in these next yeah. few years. That's right. Oh, my gosh, yeah. I, I, oh, he's looking forward to it, too. I can't I – because, can't, you know, he, he, he's been – I know he's been, you know, put it out there that he wants to be a manager. So I, mm -hmm. I, I can't wait. And it, it should be interesting and fun. Um, Casey, you know, since you were, you were in Ohio, like kind of right in the middle of the Browns and Steelers and that big rivalry. Well, what do you think about the Browns sort of, you know, descent, if you will, because they've been kind of underachieving these last few years. Oh, yeah. Hey, guys, before I get to that, I want to make sure that you know, like, I don't know if it's because I don't have the full Zoom. I only have four minutes left. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I, yeah, I got, I got, I'm trying to upgrade it now, so. Okay, let me make sure, but I'll get to how I feel about that. Um, I, every year, my dad and my brother get so excited about the draft for Cleveland, and every year, it's disappointing. I mean, how many, you know, quarterbacks have we burned through? I do like Baker Mayfield. I think he's trying to do a good job, but everything that happened with uh, Miles Garrett last year, and you guys know that game with, with Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it was it was embarrassing for the league. It was embarrassing for me as a Cleveland fan. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of Cleveland fans I know were like, well, he deserved it. You know, he was talking trash or whatever. But the whole thing, I remember falling asleep right before that happened. And then I realized that the game was still going on. And I was like, why is it not over yet? And then I thought, <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. But, yeah, you know, we just, I don't know. I think every Browns fan says every year, this is our year. This is our year. And unfortunately, it's not. So I don't really get my hopes up anymore. I know my <laughs> dad and brother still do. I know they do. If they're watching or listening to this later, they will be mad that I said that. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you guys. It's just, it's fun to go to games. Uh, you know, the stadium's fun. The dog pound's fun. But that's all I got to say right now. <laughs> uh, 
did you go to any Cleveland Cavaliers games uh, um, back during your childhood? Uh, any uh, personal memories of LeBron James or some of the other players uh, from from the from those teams during your childhood? Yeah, I did. Actually, my best friend uh, went to St. Vincent St. Mary's High School, where LeBron James went to school. So she knew him personally. She babysat his kids for a little while. Um, and it was just cool to go to Cavs games before he left the first time because we knew he was great. We knew he was awesome. Um, he's young and exciting. And then he left. He, he left on my mom's birthday, which truly Aww. devastated her. Truly oh. devastated her. Oh, <laughs> no. cry. We were all crying. No offense, but happy to – yeah, you know, no offense, but happy tenth uh, year anniversary on that. Before ESPN and social intelligence with that, I just want to put that out there. Oh my gosh! You, Casey. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Terrible, but yeah. So he left, but truly, the minute he came back, we were all over it. We were fine. No one, there was no hard feelings in our house. Uh, we were stoked. It felt like he had come and returned to to do what he said he was going to do. It was like, I don't mean to make it holy, but it felt holy. Holy. <laughs> <laughs> And he did. He did it. And um, it was just such an exciting time. I remember watching the Game 7 of the NBA Finals in 2016, and uh, we were so excited. I was at a bar in Columbus with my mom, and we were just so nervous. I remember not being able to breathe while watching those last moments and after Steph Curry threw his mouthpiece and everything kind of unraveled. Um, I loved it. So definitely good good times coming from you know the Cavs stadium it was the gun for a while and then it was the queue now it's rocket mortgage field house so anytime i can get up to cleveland to see a game again i like to yeah nice job by uh, lbj uh, lebron james um acting a fool at the drama green calling that where we were not used on this broadcast but <laughs> helped them turn that series around but we'll leave it at that <laughs> right all right, so we're going to take a little quick break. Uh, we're going to talk about the last dance. We're also going to break down yeah. the NFL because NFL schedule, you know, they're still kind of just – they're acting the stuff that they're going to do, like maybe do for a full season. So we'll talk more about that. Myself, like Keenan McGee, you can follow me at Keenan McGee on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at C-K-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. Uh, all right, so Casey is coming back with us, so we're going to see you guys in a few minutes. This is like I can see it's more yeah. Zoom style. Zoom style. <laughs> Zoom style. All right, I'll, all right I'll, I'm going to do this upgrade. I'll see you guys in a bit. Okay. All right. All right, folks, we're back with Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. There we go. Hour two. We're, I'm, Lakita McGee. I'm Lakita McGee. You can follow me at Keita McGee on Twitter. You can follow me, Sid Kid, on Twitter and Instagram at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80, S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. And join us today as our very special guest for this week, Miss Casey Sandahar from Team 100 Sports in Chicago. She's also the field reporter for the all-female baseball team, the Chicago, Chicago Bandits. Casey, welcome back. Thank you. Good to be back. Let's do it. All right. You go ahead, Tish. All right, Lakitas. Okay. Uh, the NFL schedules were released this week. Um, uh, there's, there are a few teams that, that have uh, uh, no more than five primetime games. And uh, shout out to our good friend, Lakina, um, Danny Parkins of yes. the Meet Neal and Parkins on 670 Scorehead in Chicago. 
He actually had the inside scoop on the Chicago Bears schedule. I'll, I'll focus in on that first. Uh, I kind of laughed, and I'm still going to laugh right now. <laughs> you get after an eight and eight season, let's be real, seven and nine. But <laughs> you had an eight and eight season after making the playoffs the year before. But you get four prime time games. <laughs> I, I guess. <laughs> I, I guess I, I want to be upset, but I, yesterday I just had to laugh. Yeah, I, I, I guess, guess we are a mediocre team in a big market. I mean, listen, I, I guess I guess they think that the Bears have a shot, perhaps maybe with the schedule. I mean, they may end up very well be eight and eight. Again, this is like I love all the like the pronostications of like the way too early <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, record pre- record predictions of some of this some of this stuff. I mean, you know, it, it's it's just like. The early part of the schedule, you could probably say maybe they may have a chance to go to a good off to a good start, but mm-hmm. I, I mean, listen, they 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 get Detroit at Detroit. That's the first game out, so no Thanksgiving Day game with them this year. It was like the last two. Thank years. goodness. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was really, uh, pretty torturous right there for the rest of the nation. Yeah. Uh, they get the Giants. They get Atlanta. They get Indy after coming back from Atlanta, and they get Tom Brady. And the Tampa Bay Bucks, that's that's weird to say on Fox. That's a Thursday night game. <laughs> and that's the day after my birthday, wink wink. Yeah. <laughs> let me know, let me know what you want it. for your birthday. Let us know what you want for your birthday, Sid. <laughs> so we're gonna get a head start here. Um get- ready to win or lose for your birthday. <laughs> exactly. There you go, Casey. There you go, Casey. <laughs> there you go. See, she's getting to hate this already. You're part of the team, Casey. Now I love it. Uh, they're going to get Carolina at Carolina and at the Rams. That's a Monday night game, two uh, <laughs> primetime games. Then they get New Orleans at home. Then November 8th at, you know, tennis, at Tennessee. And then they get Minnesota at home, but that's also another ESPN game. Then after that, their bye week. After the bye week, they go at Green Bay. That's a Sunday nighter. That's the fourth um, primetime game. Then they get Detroit <laughs> at home and then Houston at home. Then they get Minnesota at Minnesota at Jacksonville, and they finish up January third against Green Bay at Lambeau, which could be for the for division. Who knows? But uh, I mean, they can probably go eight and eight in that schedule again. You know, we can probably go up to nine. But I love all everyone's making these way too early predictions for the win mm-hmm. schedule for the Bears. But so I'll leave the floor to you guys. What do you guys think? I'll say this little kid, and we're not going to go by uh, if they win this game, they lose that game. I'm not going to do that yet. We, we'll do that after training camp like we do every year. But I'll say this. It's almost setting up just like last year, only last year they had a tougher schedule because they won a division two years ago. This year, that's, that's your typical third-place schedule, and they can get off to a decent start. And like you say, their bye week doesn't come to around Thanksgiving. Right. Thanksgiving. So – that schedule, just like last year, gets tough in November. So if they want to get off to a decent start, they have the opportunity to do that. So in November, the, those division games starting to roll in. You mentioned Green Bay on the road, doing Thanksgiving weekend on Sunday night. You mentioned a home game against Minnesota. You should do well against Minnesota at home. And, and they're, 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 uh, they have a, tough, a couple of the tough games at the start of the month of December, assuming – let me repeat again. Assuming they're in the playoff race, the schedule gets a little bit lighter at the end. You have back-to-back road games, especially the one at Jacksonville before you host Green Bay for that last game of the regular season. If, let me repeat again, if things yeah. fall in place, that schedule could be in their favor uh, towards the end. 
Casey? I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think what's interesting about just the schedule release in general is that they added these Saturday games in 15, week 15 and 16. Like, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Like, I mean, bears aside, sorry, I'm not a bears expert, but <laughs> bears aside, <laughs> okay, no you know, worries. Saturday games and those flex games for the, for the, so they can decide the best games to, to kind of air. I mean, do you think that's a, a, a weird thing to have those Saturday games? I don't think so. I think the NFL is better on Saturdays anyway for me personally. I know why they don't do it during college football season, but uh, it, it's a great idea. Let, let, we had to get used to it uh, for the playoffs as well with the extra game because this year right. uh, uh, they start with the extra uh, wild card games because there are seven teams that are going to qualify for the playoffs in each conference. So four division winners now, three wild card spots. So uh, we gotta get we gotta get used to it. For Saturday, it's gonna have a triple header for the wild card, at least for the wild card rounds. Three games Saturday, three games Sunday. So, like you said, Casey, for the last two weeks of the regular season, they've been doing that for a while now. But mm -hmm. yeah, you know, we gotta start getting used to it. So, uh, it, yeah, it should I'm, be fun. I'm still not like for me. Sunday is football, and then it comes with the Sunday scaries of like having to go back to work on Monday. You know, like it all, <laughs> all feels relevant yeah. for me. <laughs> Well, uh, well, yeah, I mean, th th yeah, there's a reason why they don't, like said that it, there's a reason why they don't do it on early on with the Saturday games because of college football. But those mm -hmm. last two weeks, I mean, they don't have to worry about it. You know, college football, they're getting ready for their bowl game. So that's why they decided to do it this way. And like Sid said, with the extra playoff game now, this is something that we're probably going to have to get used to. So, I mean, th this is fine. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with this too. As far as sort of like, you know, we're not going to go like game by game, honestly, because it's way too early. But Tampa Bay, I mean, they had, like, the lowest uh, number of primetime games. They only had, like, 19 to last, I think, like, 10 or 15 years, even after winning the Super Bowl all those years ago. They have five primetime games this year. Uh, we all know why. But uh, <laughs> we all know why they have those extra primetime games. So it'll be interesting to see what, you know, how this entails, because how they use that, because the Chicago game is one of those games. They uh, host uh, the, the Rams. That's the, the Monday nighter. So it'll be interesting to see how, how Bruce Arians, I'm sure, listen, he welcomes it, you know, sort of like they know that they're kind of spotlights on them now. But, and they, and they know why, but, I, I, you know, Bruce Arians sort of said, hey, listen, bring it. We know why, you know, people want to, are fascinated by the Bucks this year. Um, Seattle is another one because they got to travel a long way. They have like four or five noon games. So this is like, Oh, sorry about that silly video, but uh, yeah, they've got like they gotta travel like twenty nine thousand miles, over twenty nine thousand miles. So that's gonna be interesting too, how they kind of get, they kind of like adjust to it because they got a lot of East Coast games. Whereas Baltimore, they've got they only have like one game outside the Eastern Time Zone. They only even got to go out west. So all this is setting up for all these sort of like where things happen in NFL. I want to see what you want to know what you guys think about that. Remember the New York Jets last year after they got Le'Veon Bell? Uh, all their games were in the Eastern time zone, uh, and they didn't have to travel out. So Baltimore's getting, getting that treatment this year. Now with Seattle, over the last three years, they've done well uh, in the Eastern time zone in those 12 noon games. So I, I want to see if that trend continues this year. Now as far as Tampa Bay is concerned, we talked about it on the show, Lakina, for the last few weeks. Uh, because Fox carries mostly the NFC package. Get used to Troy, Troy Eggman and Joe Buck calling your games, including week one against New Orleans Saints at the Superdome. So 
uh, you know, you're the new team on the block. You're the hottest team because of Tom Brady. So you're used to all the national tension coming your way. That's right. Yeah, I, think, uh, I think it'll be interesting to see. I, I always feel like no matter what with Seattle, Russell Wilson makes sure that you know that, you know, they traveled far and he's still there and they're still going to pull it out, especially for some of those games over uh, in the East. But I do think that yeah, the national attention, there's not going to be necessarily as many games I covered by Joe, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, as far as like, they always do a lot of Cowboys games mm-hmm. and always do, they are, we're doing Patriots games and whatnot, but I think we're going to see a shift there. Uh, what they find in it, is important. Yeah, speaking of the pages, I uh, I kind of laughed uh, obviously when I saw the schedule last night, but I'm not surprised though how many primetime games uh, they got. I think they got three off the top of my head, including Week Two at Seattle on Sunday Night Football. I I think the reason why NBC got that game because Week One the Patriots host um, the Miami Dolphins, and assuming that the Patriots somehow pull that game off. I think they kind of set it up as can the Patriots surprise people I'm using air quotes as opposed to just listening. <laughs> uh, can they surprise people and go 2-0 and pull off an upset at Seattle? But as we talked about on the show before, Lakina, for you Patriots fans, get used to those um, um, uh, 12 noon, 1 p.m. Eastern uh, starts because I think they have one or two uh, late game starts and then those three part-time games. But the rest of those games are at high noon. Yeah, that's something that they're probably going to have to get used to because – um, it'll be interesting though because at the Patriots, it's something that they they're not used to. So it'll be interesting to see how they react to that. I mean, they got to go at they host San Francisco on October twenty fifth. That's a late game on CBS, and there's going to be a lot of spotlight on them because Jared Stidham, assuming that he'll end up being the starter, no one is expecting to be him to be Tom Brady, and he knows that. And I think that makes him relax a little bit. But you got Jimmy Garoppolo coming in, and a lot of fans feel that he's kind of the one that got away. So there's going to be a lot of scrutiny for Sidham on that in that game. So it'll be just to see how how that goes. And speaking of the 49ers, for this third straight year, they're going to be finishing their season against Seattle, which could very well end up being for the FC West. So it'll be interesting to see how all this sort of like, you know, once we peel the onion and assuming that everything goes as planned, I mean – a lot. This is sort of a fluid situation. I know that Roger Goodell's been very adamant that listen, we're gonna we're gonna do this. We're gonna you know go with schedule, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. you never know what's gonna happen. So I'm curious to see how all this is gonna kind of come out and play out because a lot can happen. They're talking about a second wave of this coming up in the fall, so it's still it's still a very fluid situation here. Yeah, yeah and I think it's yeah. Go ahead, Casey. Okay. I was just saying, you know, with with uh, the Patriots 49ers matchup, there's a like a kind of a aura around the stress because thing because it'll be the three year anniversary of Garoppolo kind of getting traded to the uh, 49ers, and so like, what's that going to look like? Um, is that going to be something that the media pays a lot of attention to? I'm sure it will be. So, <laughs> also uh, looking at that uh, prime time schedule for. Um now shifting over to Monday Night Football. I believe it's week three. You have the Kansas City Chiefs, the defending champs, traveling to Baltimore to face uh, the Baltimore Ravens and uh, Lamar Jackson. Of course, uh, those two teams have matched up in Kansas City for the last couple years and they've given us classic finishes. But uh, I'm, with, I'm interested to see those two quarterbacks um, uh, play against each other on a primetime stage. 
many many of us fans thought that it should have been the matchup in the AFC Championship game last year. That didn't happen, but hopefully this year the, that game could be a preview of the of a matchup, hopefully in the playoffs. Do you guys think that you know Lamar Jackson has the longevity in his career? I mean, some people think that that quarterbacks like him are like a one year, two year thing. So, what's your opinion on that? I'm curious. Uh, I think because of the rules of today's game, I I think he he can last a long time. I know they're running him a lot, but I think as long as he has a system around him that can uh, that can let his talents flourish as we're seeing right now, I think he can have a a long career. But I think uh, we just seen the the beginning stages of Lamar Jackson, in my opinion, opinion. So as long as he doesn't turn into Michael Vick on and off the field, he should be fine. But we're just starting to see the early stages of of Lamar Jackson. So I, I don't think it's going to be a, a, a short short flash. I think he's going to be here for a long time, especially the way the rules are today. I, he's going to be here for a long time, as long as they put a good pieces around him. Sure. I think that's the key, too. Make sure he has a good O-line, that he has a, a good running back mm-hmm. tandem, which which he does. They just drafted a running back a couple of weeks ago. So I, I think John Harbaugh has already said that he's going to try to kind of make it so that he don't have, they don't have to depend on Lamar that much, that Lamar doesn't have to use his legs that much. He can kind of like mm-hmm. let, let the running backs do their thing and kind of just, you know, have the O-line around him to kind of keep him upright. If he can keep upright, he'll be fine. Yeah. I think that this is – like rules, like 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 uh, said said the rules have changed a lot in the last decade since those Michael Vick mm-hmm. days. So I, I think his longevity has a better chance of you know extending. Now look yeah. at the go no go ahead Sid. No, uh, I don't know if you, you was probably going to touch on it, but before we move on, I wanted to ask Casey did she get a chance to look at the Cleveland Browns schedule because I did take a glance at it and they do play the Cowboys in Big D this year. <laughs> yeah, I'm pulling it up again. I want to reference it. Hang on, give me a second. I'm pulling it up on my phone. So <laughs> well, okay. All right. Well, while she's doing that, I was actually just going to ask about Cleveland's schedule because they were sort of like the underachieving, <laughs> you know, popular pick last year. I mean, they had. Yeah, we told. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we told was, people we, to slow their height trade down. And, yeah, and we we we, we, we told people. Floating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They've got a pretty, they've got a pretty tough schedule. They got a pretty like. You know, even kill schedule. I mean, they, you know, they go at Baltimore right off the bat. Then they have uh, Cincy and Joe Burrow. We'll see how how he how he goes. I mean, you know, at Cowboys, you re- you reference to it, Sid. Um, mm-hmm. They 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 you know they 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 host the Raiders and the Texans and the Eagles too. They got three uh, home games in a row in November. So I'm I'm, I'm curious to see how how. You know, the Browns sort of bounce back. It seems like the hype train is kind of like, you know, been in a standstill for a little bit. <laughs> a little oh, yeah. Everyone, everyone learned their lesson last year. I mean, you, you got to admit, we probably have – I think week one and week two will be interesting. Week four, I mean, we're going to take the L in week four, don't you guys think, against uh, Dallas? It, it depends. Probably. I think it depends. Yeah, but, yeah, probably. I, I was trying to be nice, but <laughs> – Yeah. No, you know what? <laughs> You don't have to be nice. Bye week in week nine. It's funny because I'm, I'm looking at the schedule on Instagram and a lot of people are saying they're going to be five and 11. People are going to be saying they're going to be 11 and five. <laughs> I mean, people just have so many opinions about, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's a, I think it's a tough schedule, to be honest. I do. Especially because we're going to be watched a little bit more because of what happened last year, because of the way things kind of panned out. Is there um, – a dynamic still for Jarvis Landry and Miles Garrett and, and Baker Mayfield and these guys to, and OBJ, I mean, to play together still. And can they vibe? Can they connect? 
I think the media attention last year affected them negatively. So we'll see what happens. I think Casey brings up an interesting point. You know, like I said, all, all eyes were on them last year, and they cracked under the pressure. Freddie Kitchens is no longer there as their head coach. They've, they brought in a, a, the offensive coordinator from the Minnesota Vikings. His name escapes me for the moment, but he's their new head coach now. And so it is a tough schedule, but, you know, it's not going to be easy because, you know, Pittsburgh there retooled. Big Ben, Ben Roethlisberger, he's back healthy now as the starting quarterback for Pittsburgh. Their defense improved last year. And also you have Baltimore in there. I know Cleveland was one of the few teams that uh, beat Baltimore in Baltimore last year. But, you know, the, they looking forward to um, uh, come back off a disappointing loss in the playoffs last year. So their AFC North is going to be tough. Yeah. I, I, I'm interested to see how um, the new head coach, Kevin Stefanski, sorry, Stefanski, um, how his dynamic with Baker is, you know, because you mm-hmm. saw how important that dynamic is with Belichick and Brady. You saw how detrimental it was with, uh, with Rogers yeah. and now um, with Matt LaFleur, how much better it is. Um, and I just think that that is going to be a key. And I know this new trend of like young head coaches is a thing. They're smart, they're fast, they're quick, they're witty. Um, so I'm curious to see how that dynamic plays out. It'll be interesting though to see what 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 happens with the Cle- with that that Browns team because are they gonna kind of like there's not gonna be a lot of hype I'm sure because like Woop says some of the other teams in the division are so much better so they may they may surprise some people again I'm just listen May eighth 2020 I'm just <laughs> I'm not making any proclamations now but again you, you never know and you know um, a team that's fascinating to me and said you know this because we've talked about it the last few weeks the Arizona Cardinals. Yep. They've, they, they've got a pre to schedule with me right off the bat. Week one, they face San Fran at San Francisco. So we'll see early on, you know, are they going to be worth – I'm not going to say they're going to win a division because, you know, San Fran and Seattle, those are like – they're like the class in that mm-hmm. division. But it'll be just to see, especially with the extra wild card, will they be right there to make that wild card spot? I mean, they, they host Washington, Detroit. They go at Carolina, New York, and Dallas. They got three road games in a row. Mm-hmm. Then they get Seattle, Miami, and they finish up with, you know, San Fran and, and the Rams. So we'll see where they're at by the time they finish that schedule. So they, they've got a good chance of probably have to be right there in that di- for the uh, for wild card spot. Maybe not – definitely not the division, but definitely a wild card spot. Almost definitely. And as we saw, as I predicted last year, we'll, uh, Kyler Murray improved as the season went along. And now he has a, a, a number one wide receiver target in – and DeAndre Hawkins. They drafted Simmons, the linebacker out of Clemson. So uh, if their defense continues to improve and get pressure on the quarterback, the, this team will be in it. Casey, I don't know about you if you play fantasy football, but I think Kyle Murray would be a top 10 fantasy football quarterback this year. I'm predicting it right now. Oh, definitely. I agree. I played with my uh, work friends last year and I did pretty well. I had a lot of, I had a lot of Green Bay Packers. I had uh, Aaron Jones. So we had a pretty good, we had a pretty good season. I'm not going to brag, but uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I do. I'm excited to play again this year, and I think he will be a top 10 pick. Yeah, just for the record, I won my I won our Dean Davis uh, fantasy football league last yes, year. Yes, he so. did. Very he good. Did. Very Thank good. you. He Thank did. you. Thank he you. Did. He did. <laughs> yeah, he really did. Yeah, I mean. It's always exciting when that happens. <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. of course. Absolutely. Um, any other sort of teams whose schedule kind of jumps at you guys? I'll just say this for the NFC West. 
Uh, I think San Francisco will come back down to earth a little bit. Will they miss the playoffs like the Rams did last year? I don't know if I'm ready to go that far, but it's going to be a struggle for them this year because they caught momentum last year. Now is go is the difference now to be the uh, hunter now now being the hunted. So there's going to be a lot of pressure on San Francisco, but don't don't count out Seattle. Oh Do no, not count out Seattle. I was I think we're I think we're learning never to count out Seattle. I mean, if you saw yeah. if you saw you guys saw that that workout video that Russell Wilson did. And I think I don't know where he was. I think it was like like in a facility not too far from where he lives. So I mean, mm-hmm. he was, he's ready. I think he wants to come back and. And I feel they feel like the division kind of slipped away from them in the end. So I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle's right there. But like I said, I mean, that, that West division, I would say the AFC North, the NFC West, the NFC South, I think those three divisions are probably going to be like a free-for-all for all those teams. You know, I'm going to say one thing. I think this is off topic a little bit, but the Packers have an interesting schedule to me because they've got – guys, I'm looking at – one, two, three home games, week 13, 15, and 16 that are all in December. I mean, can you even think about how cold Lambeau Field's going to be for three home games in December for them? I mean, honestly, yeah. like I was there last yeah. year for the Browns, pa- or I'm sorry, for the Packers uh, Bears game, and I've never been colder in my whole life at Lambeau. <laughs> <laughs> now you know why they call it the frozen tundra. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a, is, a, do they normally have three games at the end of the season that are all at home? Not like that, not like that. And I, I'm, I'm kind of like wondering, well, especially that that last game against the against the Bears. It'll be interesting to see if that's going to be for the division. I know some people have you know sort of expectations that the Bears. Like maybe if Mitchell if Mitchell Mitchell is a quarterback, they'll be like five and eleven. If they're having bulls, they'll be like ten and six or eleven and five. So mm-hmm. you, you can't really make those kind of predictions right now. So it'll be interesting to see, especially once all the layers and all the divisions sort of like wants to make all these adjustments because you know, with all the workouts and stuff, you know, everybody's doing virtual work workouts right now. They come I think Isaiah Simpson said they're doing virtual workouts right now too. So with the rookie, so it'll be interesting to see how like will there be the any, any adjustments made? That's why I want it. I want to know are there going to be some of these earlier games going to be kind of like later this season if the season's delayed the start of the regular season? So that's what I'm I'm intrigued by, not just the games themselves. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think that'll be definitely interesting. Yeah, just one more quick thing about the NFL schedule before we move on. Uh, the Thanksgiving Day games this year, of course, the Bears are not in it, thank goodness, because they were in it the last two years. Um, <laughs> the first game is Houston at Detroit, followed by Washington at Dallas. And then the night game for NBC, no, it's not New Orleans, no, it's not Atlanta, thank goodness for that. It's Baltimore at Pittsburgh. I'm really looking forward to that one. 9-6, anybody? 9-6? 9-6. Get ready for those 9-6. Uh... Those nine, nine, six games for the Baltimore and uh, Pittsburgh because that's what you're gonna get. I mean, I mean, look, this is gonna be interesting with those those Thanksgiving ga- games that there always are. So, the the Monday nights, the Monday night slate's gonna be interesting to me. They got Kansas City and Baltimore in Week Three. That mm-hmm. should be interesting one. That should be interesting there. So, I mean, the, these primetime games. If you're all the networks, you know, Fox, CBS, CBS that got Super Bowl this year, and ESPN, and NBC, of course, you're going you to be feeling pretty good with the schedule. Yeah, like we said before, the NFL is a week-to-week sport. Uh, it's a television sport, so uh, it's, a, it's always storylines uh, every week. So 
uh, people will be tuning in. So 2020 should be no different. Especially in these situations. Yep. So true. All right. So uh, any other schedule, if, if schedules that jump out at you guys before we move on? Anything like games that kind of jump out at you? I'm good. I'm waiting for the next topic. <laughs> all right. All right. So, uh, all right. <laughs> yeah, well, so we got, we got plenty of time to talk about all the NFL stuff, you know, even more mm -hmm. as it all goes. But uh, the episode five and six of The Last Dance were last week, and they really kind of delve into those later, like, 90, early 90s bulls and that, that first three-peat in that era and for, I don't know about you guys, but for, are you, are you watching the, uh, the Last Dance, Casey? I know, I know you're, you're like outside of Cleveland. I know like those first couple of parts, you kind of like <laughs> covered your eyes. <laughs> no, I'm definitely watching. I watch every week. I'm so excited for this, for this week. I'm kind of sad that like, there's only a couple more episodes left, like seven and eight or this week, and that's going to be over. Um, yeah, I've been watching. I've been loving it. I think it's interesting because you know, these last two episodes that we just saw, are kind of leading up to Jordan's departure. And you know that you're like, okay, you're anticipating it. Um, and I think it's a little jumpy how it goes back and forth to like, you know, the late 80s, early 90s, and then it goes into the late 90s and you're seeing that happen. But um, I loved how they really shined a light on this, on these past two episodes, on just how it was to be Michael Jordan during that time, from a fan's perspective, from his perspective. And I was, I was talking to some people about it and we were saying, do you think LeBron has that same level or because Michael Jordan exists, that, that kind of stuff would never happen to LeBron? Because you got to look at the media and see how the media was all over him in the hallways. The scrum was even more intense. He could barely sneak into the little section where he would have to talk about the post game. Um, and I just think media requirements are so different now. There's more space for the players to be allowed uh, their own privacy and their own space. Even the fact that he couldn't even get away and lay on his couch and, you know, smoke a cigar and chill out and eat. <laughs> it's just so different. And I, I was thinking about that. I was like, does LeBron have that same sort of level of fame? Or because Michael Jordan was the first to do it, that that kind of level and that kind of intensity will never be matched again? I always look at it as like it's different eras because in the magic and bird era, they didn't have to deal with that. And even the, some of the, some of the, the playoff games were tape delayed. I think once CBS, you know, once it got, you know, the NBA games and they started, we talked, we've talked about this before, Sid, that yeah. you know, the, the profile started, started changing. They had the converse rap with all those, all the players from, uh, <laughs> from the mid eighties with the you know, bird won MVP that year. So but I think if you compare then to now, I can't imagine if Michael Jordan and, and Scottie Pippen and those players then would have would be able to deal with social media and all this stuff now because I'm sure it's magnified with LeBron and Kobe. It was it was it was definitely bittersweet seeing Kobe there during some of those parts, especially him doing an interview and that was like what a week before he tragically passed. So that, that makes it even more uh, gut wrenching, but I, I can't imagine that – I think if you ask MJ now, LeBron, the different type of eras, I mean, could Jordan have will be able to deal with playing in this type of era with every your, every move you make is being scrutinized now? So everything you say, everything what you do, also the political aspect of it. I mean, if you remember North Carolina, Jesse Helms, I mean, he was a long-running 
congressman and the guy he was going up, I forgot the, the guy he was going up against North Carolina. Harry Ganton. Yeah, who was African-American, um, was very, uh, not, not so happy with Jordan when he didn't endorse him. And, you know, Howells had like, I think he had like four, four terms, I think that was his fifth term, I think, in Congress. To mm-hmm. me, I don't think, to me, I don't think MJ's endorsement would have made a difference because, again, things were a lot different down there in North Carolina back then. The demographics are a lot different now. And I'd always say for me that if you don't want to be political, you shouldn't have to be scrutinized if you, if you are or you're not. That's always been like my feeling about it. If you're not that kind of person, if you're not a very political person, you don't have to be. If you want to be political aspirations, fine. If you want to be community activist, fine. But if you, if you don't, then that's fine too. I don't think that players or any, anyone should, any famous person should be scrutinized whether they are political activists or not. Yeah, yeah I think all, Go ahead, Ted. Go ahead, Casey. Okay, I just wanted to say that I, I think that, you know, Jordan was guarded back then because of all the attention he got, especially after the careers of Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. They were retired. Of course, that was when Jordan was the man of the NBA. Always wonder if he could have survived in this uh, social media atmosphere now. And I think he would still survive. But like you said, Lakina, everybody has a camera phone now. Uh, if, if if he did something real stupid, uh, if no one, if person A doesn't have a phone or a camera on them, the next person does. You all we have to do is just pull out our phones and then, oh, Jordan uh, dropped a dollar on the street corner. If you didn't take a picture, Casey's taking a picture. If she didn't take a picture, I'm taking a picture. So, like I so said, everything is so scrutinized now. I think he will survive, but he will be very much more guarded now. How long he would have played. Uh, I'm not sure because uh, as we saw uh, in the last week's episodes, especially during that third championship season and when they defeated Phoenix, every every light, uh, every camera, every person was on him because he was the man of the league. Now, getting back to the political aspect of it, me personally, I, I didn't learn this until you know years later because I, I was still young and didn't understand it at the time. But we shouldn't pressure our athletes to do something that they don't want to do. Let's be honest here. Every entertainer and every athlete is not, as the kids would say, woke, okay? And some of them just don't care whether we like it or not. So uh, if they want to do it, make, uh, make sure they want to do it because of their own reasons, not because of pressure from the outside. And I'll leave, I'll leave it at that. I, I have to agree with that. And I think President Barack Obama did a good job of kind of showing both sides of that in his interview about Jordan. Yeah. You know, was he disappointed? Yeah. But he also understood why he didn't do that. And I think the problem, like the, I think the issue is when he should have stayed silent and instead he, he insinuated that it was important to him that he still is selling shoes, you know, just by saying Republicans buy Jordans too, or sneakers or whatever he said. So I think that, that, insinuated that he was making it about his personal brand and his personal business instead of he just should have said hey no comment I don't I don't involve myself with that you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah uh, and also I also think too that Michael uh he was very honest and forthright about because he really didn't comment on that uh during that time and you can understand why and you had brought up a great point Casey about President Obama uh kind of showing both sides which unfortunately Many of us in our society don't want to hear. It's just my point. Uh, I don't want to hear anything else and just go home. And, and, and that really sets a, a, a bad precedent. But I, I think Michael was very honest uh, about, about, about that situation. Another situation I want to I'll bring up, which uh, he touched on, which I didn't think it was going to get touched during this documentary, was 
is gambling addiction, especially uh, yeah. in this part I forgot about. Lakeen, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, it was before game one of the finals against mm-hmm. the Phoenix Suns. Yep. Uh, Amal Shah did that famous interview. Michael Jordan had the glasses on. Yep. As soon as I saw that, I said, Oh boy, here comes trouble. <laughs> and then he said, Yeah, oh yeah. I, I don't have a gambling problem, I have a competition problem. I was like, uh, Whoever told him to leave those glasses on, I know you, Michael Jordan, but uh, that is a bad idea to leave those sunglasses on. Oh, and I'm just saying. Well, the I, eyes I say it all. So, like, if you wanted him to be honest, you needed to see his eyeballs, you know? Right. <laughs> that was very, I guess that was, that was very smart on his part to wear the sunglasses. I don't know, I don't know if it was his idea or maybe that whoever his PR people were at the time, <laughs> their ideas, but I'm sure Ahmad Rashad, he'll, listen, he'll, he'll take it to the grave, to his grave. He is not going to develop anything. I'm sure, I'm sure he knows what went on. I'm sure, because he was around mm-hmm. those teams for years. I mean, the Bulls were on national television a lot. He was there. Yeah. He knows. I think you're not going to see that. He's not going to say anything. He's not going to tell you. So, and like I said, I was a little surprised that they, that they went there with the gambling addiction. I'm a little surprised that, that, that they did, mm-hmm. but uh, to their credit, I mean, that they, they, they did it. And, I just don't think now, especially in social media, it's going to be being scrutinized so much now, that gambling addiction. And we'll see in these next couple of episodes coming up this Sunday, was it you know, when he steps away from basketball? And unfortunately, mm-hmm. we, 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 you know, we, we learn about you know, the tragic death of his, of his father and what kind of propelled him to make the decision to kind of step away from the game. Was it because of his father's death and needed time to get over it? Or was it because of the gambling addiction, which led to a suspension? Again, we'll see if they actually go there. They may not, but mm-hmm. we'll see. These, these I think they're also going to go there. I think they're going to go there. They've been pretty raw and real. And it's, it's been all about the adversity these whole last two episodes. I mean, even the whole covering of the logo at the Olympics, the Reebok logo, because he just couldn't stand that anyone would see that it wasn't Nike. I mean, you know, Reebok spent all this money to sponsor these USA uniforms, these dream team uniforms. And for that to be the case, I don't know. I feel like someone was advising him to really stick to his brand and it caused a lot of problems. Which I, I didn't yeah. know. That. I didn't know. I didn't know about that. I did not know. That's why that's why it was. Like, I should know. But yeah, I mean, I was so sort of surprised that that was why that you know, they kept it covered. Go ahead, Sid. Yeah, I remember when all that went down at the time because uh, Michael Jordan was signed was signed to Nike, and it was a big controversy because most of those other uh, those other players they were signed to Converse and Reebok as well, but they didn't cover uh, their logos. Uh, Nike uh, uh, Jordan, who represented Nike, covered uh, his his uh, covered the Reebok logo as you mentioned, Casey, with the American flag. So. I remember that he just covered the flag and, and there, uh, no one else said anything about it afterwards. But getting back to uh, the episodes we're going to see the Sunday, Lakina, if you remember at the time when Jordan's father passed, people trying to link that between that and his gambling yep. addiction. Uh, will that part be um, under the microscope? I'm sure it will because that was one of the hot yep. rumors were out at that time. Because rem- if you remember, they kind of touched on it in the last episode. Yeah. If you remember Bob Costas interviewing him after the Phoenix yeah. Championship, uh, do you want to come back? And Michael said to the, something to the effect of, if my love for the game is still strong. I remember at the time I was like, uh-oh, is he going to quit? He can't quit. But yeah. I, I remember at the time, as soon as his father passed, I said, I don't want to put it out there, but I think he's going to retire. I think that was the last straw because we weren't sure. We all assumed as fans that he was going to come back, but I, 
I think after the death of his father, you know, you, you kind of knew that he, uh, that him retiring, um, uh, that that was going to happen. Now I heard on another radio show about a year ago that the story came out. His personal trainer, Tim Grover, talking about Michael Jordan. Uh, he told him and a couple of close friends before that season uh, that he was going to retire because he needed a break. And and we, as we saw in the last couple of episodes from last week, the media was hounding on him. He be, he became the person in the NBA. So I could I could understand from his perspective why he needed a break. Yeah, I think he needed to have that sabbatical. Plus, I think his dream was to play yeah. baseball. So, I wonder, are they going to mm-hmm. touch on that? Are they going to touch even more about the, you know, Sam Smith's book? I was surprised that they actually went there. And it was, is it because Horace, Horace was sort of, Horace Grant was sort of concerned. I ain't tell nothing to Sam Smith. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, was like uh, yeah, was he snitching? Is that why he was let go? I mean, it'll be interesting to see what, what do they dive in more, even more with that because, you know, it's sort of one of those things where they're going to they're gonna dove into, like, they're going to to the real nitty gritty. They're going to delve into, you know, when Jordan came back, you know, his altercation with Steve Kerr at practice and him being kicked out of practice. And it'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. what more and more, especially once, you know, they go back and forth closer to like present day, well, present day meeting once this was, when this was filmed. So. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's going to be interesting to see where, where this goes. I just also, think, too. No, go ahead, Casey. I was just going to touch on that. I just think that Jordan had a way about him that he never wanted anyone to be better than him, and he never wanted to, like, go out on a bad note. Like, you saw him in the car. He said, like, I'm not waiting until I'm carried off the field. I want to walk off myself. Like, I don't want to be letting anyone else decide when I decide I'm done. Yeah, and you want athletes to decide the, their careers in their own hands, but unfortunately, not everybody gets that opportunity. Right. I, I, I wanted to go back to the Olympics. They covered that in Tony Kukoc, and we touched on it last week, Lakina. Um, they told that story very thoroughly. Yep. But for those of you that do not know, Tony Kukoc was selected in 1990 NBA draft. This is when the European players were starting to come into the league slowly. And Tony Kukoc said on camera that, the reason why he stayed in Europe those first two years because he was getting paid more than he would got paid on the on a rookie contract with the Chicago Bulls. Of course, at that time, rookies weren't making as much as they are now, but because of the money is uh, coming to the league and thanks to these television contracts. But Scotty and Michael doing their first matchup in the Olympics against Croatia, uh, they really went after Kukoc hard. And I think one of them said it wasn't personal, but they was trying to show Jerry Crossway uh, because Jerry Krause said that uh, he was the future of the Bulls. And Michael Scotty took it personally. We'll show you, Jerry Cross. Like, this, this, type, this play that you selected, um, uh, he's not as tough as you think he is. He's not as good as, he think, as you thought he was. Now, during the uh, gold medal game, which, of course, USA won over Croatia, yeah. Kukoc did come back. So he did show some toughness because people forget at that time, uh, uh, foreign players were known to be soft. They were skillful, but they were soft and and not tough enough, of course, the way uh, the game was played back then. Of course, now that that narrative has all but vanished. But it was interesting to see how uh, I'm glad they told their story very thoroughly because Kukoc, it, it turned out he was a very important player, of course, when Michael came back, even during his rookie year when Michael left. But Tony Kukoc did show that he, he had the courage, he had the toughness to survive what he did during the Olympics. Of course, it helped him throughout his NBA career. 
Well, in his home country, I mean, they were going in the middle of a civil war. And, yeah. And so I think that, that I think that kind of helped with his toughness. And mm-hmm. you know, listen, he had a young family at the time. You know, I think his son was just born not too long ago. So I think that's why, like he says, that's why he stayed because he was mm-hmm. making even more money playing in, in, in the league there. And listen, I'm, I'm glad that he was able to teach, he was able to show people. I don't think he gets his due with those last three championship teams because you know, especially the way it came about. I mean, we saw, we saw, you know, we saw it firsthand. So we saw it in the, you guys have seen it in the last, last dance. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that, you know, it, it was sort of like, I think he showed people that, his, hey, I am a tough, tough guy. I mean, European players are tough, especially. So I think that kind of like changed the narrative with them in a, little, in a lot of ways there too. And the rest of the, uh, the rest of the, uh, the, the dream team, you won 92, they kind of delve into like, okay, what kept Isaiah Thomas from being on the team? It was, it was just Jordan. I think what Bird didn't want him there. Match didn't want him there. Um, Charles, Charles kind of like stayed like, Hey, listen, I, I'm, not, I'm not in it. I'm not in it. But there were like other players <laughs> on the team that, listen, oh, listen, Charles said it because he said, I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything, but you know, he's been consistent about it. Love Charles. But, um, but yeah, I mean, they kind of really delve into like what kept Isaiah Thomas from being on the team. So I think in that perspective, and then the, the practices, I mean, they delve into it like in the 92 Dream Team doc, but they never like had like audio of it. So we actually heard the audio of some of the stuff that went mm-hmm. on during those practices. So Chuck Daly, God rest his soul. I mean, I can't imagine him having to deal with all those ego, <laughs> egos and the yeah. infighting. It was just crazy. Yeah, but uh, all, for, for... – for all that, you know, he did a masterful job. That the, the, the collection of that talent came together. They did what they had to do. Uh, they were undefeated. They blew out their opponents by average of 50 points, uh, and they did what they had to do and winning that gold medal in '92. I wanted to ask Casey uh, since she, since uh, the last dance has been uh, airing so far. What has been some of your favorite moments? Well, I know you were just talking about Isaiah Thomas, guys, and I, I, it's not even a favorite moment of mine, but I think it's funny how the internet has responded to this documentary. That clip of Isaiah Thomas saying, I don't know why I wasn't selected. I met the criteria, but I just wasn't selected, has become like a viral little <laughs> clip. People are like pairing it with like, this is me when I get ghosted by a guy on a dating app, or this is me when <laughs> that response of him being like, I don't know why I wasn't selected, but I wasn't, I met the criteria. Um, so I think it's been funny how the internet is sort of, um, we're all more bored right now. So it matters what everyone's reaction is to these episodes. Like we're watching it like it's live game. You know, Kevin Love said, uh, he tweeted that, MJ was the alpha alpha period and like we care about everyone's response to these episodes because there's nothing else going on so I think it's been cool it's been bringing people together and we know that this documentary was supposed to air in June but it was moved up to April 19th my birthday so it was a birthday gift Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yay. Yay. <laughs> last year in my 20s last year in my 20s spending it in quarantine watching MJ documentary, but it's been good. And I, I love that they moved it up because they knew that it would bring people together. It would, it would start conversation. It would be something for the morning sports shows and for us on a podcast and on a radio show to, to then talk about. So I really like how things like the MJ documentary and even Tiger King and, you know, different shows and things have brought people together during this, this strange time. I think one of my favorite um, memories though, on the show so far is I know it was like a probably two episodes back or three episodes back 
was just how they let Dennis Rodman literally go to Vegas <laughs> and like <laughs> with Carmen Electra and it was like no big deal like if a player did that now like it would be a totally different ball game mm-hmm. they, I love how all of them were like he's not coming back when he said he's coming back like you're not gonna get him even MJ was like you're not he's not coming back so I just found that to be sort of like a jaw-dropping moment for me I was like wait is this real did he really do this <laughs> so I don't know I think that was really interesting and I just love how they're pairing um, music to go along with the documentary. The whole production of it's really good, and they're pairing yeah. really good musical moments with these really important times in uh, in this history. So it's been cool. Yeah, I, I was listening before before you move on. Uh, I was listening to Jason Hare, the director. He was on one of the local radio stations here in Chicago, and he was explaining that. Uh, uh, someone told him that to play the current today's current music with the documentary. He said no. He was walking through a, a neighborhood in Brooklyn, New York. He said, "I want to uh, play the music of what was going on at the times." And I uh, and I said, "Yeah, it makes perfect sense. You know, hip hop was moving to the mainstream back then. Other forms of music were coming to the mainstream with uh, with the um, the house music, with the dance music, what was going on at that time." So. Just the soundtrack within itself. I think it's on Spotify somewhere that I heard. So people yeah. can down, download those songs. Well, but the music uh, for that time, it just fits what was going on at that time. So, uh, so I'm I'm glad that Jason stuck to the play the music that was hot from that time. So, me personally, I have no complaints about that. So Kumo D L O Cool J Air B Rakim. You heard some Beastie Boys in there as well. You heard Outkast. So. Hip hop in particular, uh, it was going through his there through its transitional phase at that time, but he still has some great music out there. I'm glad it's, it's being displayed for our younger generation. Yeah, it, it, for sure. It, yeah, I mean, it, it's sort of like it'll be interesting to see what they do next week because once they get, like I said, once they get to like the you know, Jordan retiring and you know Devin's dad and just uh, you know this is sort of like we're kind of getting to nitty gritty here with with these last few episodes, these last couple of weeks, so. It's going to be very interesting to see what kind of music that they play. I mean, I'm glad he stuck to his guns and went with sort of like the classic music instead of today's music. Because I don't think a lot, I don't think it would have meshed well. So it, it really, this is sort of like, it'll be just, especially these last few episodes, it'll be see like how, like, do they delve right into some of these other topics that we've learned so much about. And will Jerry Krause and the BB kind of like the hero, not, not like the hero necessarily, but sort of like maybe not as big of a, a jerk or a jackass as... We know, we all know, so it'll be interesting with how that goes. <laughs> I'm going to be sad when it's over, guys. Seriously, what are we going to do then? Like, if Illinois doesn't open back up in June and these episodes are over, like, what about what do I have to look forward to? <laughs> yeah, let, let's hope that it doesn't come to that, but I'm kind of with you with that one. On yeah, I think we're, yeah, I think we're all pretty bored at this point, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, 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 the next couple, I mean, they're going to talk about like Lance, Lance Armstrong and Bruce Lee and also the 98 home run chase with, with, uh, Mark McGuire and Sammy. So, so those are like the next few that are going to be coming about these next weeks after the last dance. So it'll be interesting to see how, how that goes with those. So should be interesting, mm-hmm. especially the 98 home run, uh, chase, how far they dove into that. But, uh, in these, you know, next few, these last few minutes, Casey, um, you know, you also, we, we did talk about it earlier, you also cover the Chicago Bandit softball team. What's the atmosphere like with, with that? Because, you know, you're, of course, you know, a smaller, smaller uh, stadium and, you know, not a lot of people, not a lot of people 
you know, the, the capacity of it. But, you know, the games are packed. I mean, they've been on television. What's that been like, you know, covering the Bandits? It's been an incredible experience, honestly. I didn't realize how much it would positively affect me, and it has. Um, the whole Bandit Nation and the fans that come out to the park at Rosemont, you, like you said, you know, it's it's packed every single game, and their fans wait outside of for them for autographs for hours after. These young girls, the the women there, and that they aspire to be and be like. I mean, it's it's incredible how, how big their fan base is. And it's sad that there's not enough TV attention because these NCAA softball players get a lot of attention in college. And then the minute they go pro, it's a totally different ball game because there's not ad dollars behind it and people aren't watching as much. So it's definitely disappointing. There's definitely a disparity there as far as pay and as far as what they're able to do and resource best out of it that they can. And they're hopefully planning to do a season this year. I know that management's been talking a little bit about that. Um, some of the different NPF teams have dropped out of the league, so there's some changes going on right now. But the good news is if they do have a season, they'll follow baseball, MLB suit, and they won't have fans. But at least they'll have a season, and we'll be able to kind of bring you guys some digital coverage um, and do that still. But it's it's been awesome. It's more than I could have ever imagined and expected. Um, Sarah Spain from ESPN is a big advocate for women's athletics and she threw out a first pitch at one of the Bandits games last year so it was cool to meet her and um, have her be a part of that and kind of just for for bigger audiences to pay attention to these these female athletes they're incredible yeah they really are I've, I've seen a few of the a few of the games from what I can see through like through my phone I mean the, listen, the softball players I mean they don't get their due because they, they they're they're amazing athletes yeah. I want to ask your opinion about uh, women in sports, Casey. Of course, uh, we're seeing uh, uh, women get into uh, positions, uh, in, especially in the NBA, as uh, assistant coaches. You, we have one here in Chicago with the Bulls. Of course, now you're starting to see women get into refereeing. We saw it in the NBA in the 90s with Violet Palmer. We're starting to see a couple in the NFL now. Uh, do you think there'll ever become a day? I think Becky Hammond, I think it's pretty safe to say she'll be the first uh, female coach in a professional league. Uh, she's an assistant under Greg Popovich in the San Antonio Spurs. Yes. But do you think there'll become a day that you will see a, a female football head coach or a, a baseball manager? Or do you think we still have long ways to go? I unfortunately said I do think we have a long way to go, but I do think it's definitely possible and we and we will see that day. I, I think we all will. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen first in baseball because there's less physicality behind it. I think mm -hmm. the big judgment all the time is that, well, they haven't played the game. So how could they possibly be? You know, yeah. they haven't played on that level, so how can they be? But they, but they have played the game in their capacity and what they're able to do, and I think we are definitely going to see that. Just like how many years ago, we never thought women would do play-by-play -play or color commentary, and we have mm -hmm. Doris Burke who's who's paving yep. the way, and Aaron Andrews mm -hmm. who's on the sidelines, and and all of those women who are stepping into those roles that we never thought we'd see. So I think it's absolutely possible that we can see a woman head football coach or a female MLB manager. Definitely. I hope, I hope, I hope so. I mean, that the, the opportunities are there. Yeah. yeah not, and that could not only make history, but it, they could have a great season. And then we start to pick up that trend and be like, all right, maybe this is a good idea. I don't think that there's room for any sort of, 
misogyny left in sports anymore. I know it still is a problem and it still happens, but it's not like, you know, they're in the locker room while players are changing and there can be ways to go around it that still um, is respectful. Absolutely. All right, Kate, yeah, Casey Sandahar of CN100 Sports in Chicago joining us here on Second City Sports Zoom style for a couple more minutes uh, here. Uh, to wrap up with you, Casey, uh, what programs have you been watching during this downtime? And have you been watching, uh, binge watching any shows that you haven't had a chance to uh, catch up on before? Yeah, I've actually been watching a lot more movies. I, I was never really <laughs> a movie person. But, um, you know, I was always a TV show person, and I would just binge watch The Office over and over and over again. Um, but lately, I've been getting more into some movies I haven't seen. I finally saw, and I know it's been out for a while, but um, Quiet Place, the oh. movie that's a horror thriller film um, that's <laughs> mostly silent. I thought that was excellent. Um, I feel like I'm burning through Netflix, though. I feel like I've seen all I need to see, and besides The Last Dance and all that, I've I've just been trying to catch up on things I haven't seen before. What are you guys watching? Me personally still, I'm getting sick of it a little bit, but still old games, uh, not necessarily on TV because I, as, I, as we talked about before, Lakina, <laughs> I know EBA TV and ESPN, has, they had to play the hits, but I've been finding more games that people are not paying attention to uh, online. So thank goodness for YouTube for that. Of course, I've been tweeting out some clips here and there, both on my Twitter and Instagram pages. So, I've been kind of watching that, so uh, I'm sure. Hopefully, I'll be get. I'll get into some outside sports programming before all this is over. And one quick thing, I want to ask Casey before we get up out of here. Um, tell us about you're a great follow, by the way, on Instagram. Uh, I think it was you and your roommate, if I'm not mistaken. And this is uh, during the time where um, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot uh, started to put the hammer down on the people <laughs> jumping yeah. on Lakefront. She made this great video uh, talking about. <laughs> Uh, where um, it seemed like Mayor Lightfoot was everywhere telling people yep. to uh, stay home. Tell us about that before we yeah, get up out of here. That was me and my friend Ashley. She's not my roommate, okay. but we kind of self-quarantined ourselves uh, together at, at first because we didn't want to be alone. And um, we decided to make this funny video. And I truly believe we were like the, one of the first to do it. And then everyone followed suit. But we were like, what if we just like pretend to try to go out and everywhere we go, like she was just a picture of her like blocking us from going anywhere. <laughs> I love that. You're at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was just looking at us like down the hallway and we shut the door and we were like terrified. So um, we kind of threw that together and we were crying, laughing while making it because we used um, that song Everywhere by Michelle Branch. We used yeah. I always feel like somebody's watching me. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And then just other um, other songs to kind of go along with the theme. But it ended up getting a really big response. We threw it up on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. Um, and I think people were just laughing about it. At first, I was like, is she going to hate this? Is she going to think we're terrible citizens and terrible um, <laughs> residents of Chicago? But And then I saw some press conferences where Mayor Lightfoot was like enjoying those kinds of things. So it was all fun. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure she, you, you gotta laugh at yourself even in these crazy times. Yeah, you, you have yeah. to. Um, uh, for for me, like real quick before 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 we uh before we leave, um, I've been watching a lot of classic TV shows just because I'm I'm sick of watching like the classic uh games because like 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 you said said I've been playing I've been playing like some of the some of the games that they don't show anymore on some mm -hmm. of the. Uh, 
on some of the networks. So uh, that's what I've been watching. Uh, again, like I said, I've been watching a lot of classic television shows. So yeah, but I'm, I'm, I think we're all ready for sports to come back though, I think. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So Casey, thank you so much for, for joining us. This has been a lot of fun and it, it's gone by quick and we got to do this again. Honestly, I loved it. Thank you guys for having me. I am a huge fan of both of you and I will oh. come, I'll come back anytime. Seriously. Absolutely. And where, pe- and where can people follow you on social media? Yeah, follow me on Instagram at Casey Stando, S-T-A-N-D-O. And then on Twitter, my full name at Casey Standahar, S-T-A-N-D-O-H-A-R. I'll follow you guys back. I'm excited. We're, we're, we're excited. You're, you're part of the team now, Casey. Yes, so it's <laughs> ever growing family. So thank you so much. Yeah, we're, we're definitely doing this again. This has been so much fun. Awesome. I can't wait. Let's do it. Hopefully by then sports will be back and we can actually like I can come into the studio and meet you guys for real. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully that happens soon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, okay, Sid. Uh, anything you want to tease for next week, or we're gonna try to see if we can get like a couple of guys talking about the last dance. Hopefully, maybe Chuck Swirsky. Maybe hopefully, maybe Tom Dore, somebody of that ilk. But you know, we'll we'll, we'll try. I mean, we're <laughs> they've been kind of busy. Yeah, just real quick, uh, looking forward to the Sunday's episode, The Last Dance. They're going to get into, as you said, Lakina, about Jordan's re- first retirement. And they're going to start uh, um, chronicling the 98 playoffs. Of course, their first-round opponents were the New Jersey Nets. And then followed that was Charlotte. And then we'll get into the media of it all, the Eastern Conference Finals matchup against the Pacers. And, of course, the Utah Jazz for the finals. So it, it should be fun these next two weeks. As Casey said, after next Sunday, I'm going to cry because it'll be all over. Yeah, I know. It's going to be tough. <laughs> it's going to be so tough. But I enjoyed but, it so far. But it's been fun. And also, I think we're seeing that how, like, Charles Barkley should get his due as a player because that 93, mm-hmm. he won MVP. So, I mean, he should be getting his due here with games-wise. I hope him and MJ get back together because it, it's – I mean, they. I don't know why they're – you know, MJ was offended by what Charles said. I mean, he's being honest. He should know that, but – We'll see. Right. <laughs> Come on, hug it out, guys. Hug it out. <laughs> if yeah. You follow, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Sid. You got any final thoughts? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at SidKid80. That's at SidKid80. S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. You can read all of my articles at WeAreRegalRadio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L-Radio.com. You can follow me at Keena McGee on Twitter at Kina underscore McGee on Instagram. You can also listen to our shows on the We Got We Are Real Radio website on Anchor. Yes. And then also Spotify. So anywhere else where you guys listen to your podcast, we're listen, we're right there. We're just a click away. Our buddy Kyle's been doing a great job posting this stuff on there. So hopefully yes. we'll have this episode posted. If not if not today, maybe tomorrow definitely. But uh listen, listen our, we're, we're thinking about Jason, you know, Jason's still part of the team. Yeah. Um, you know, he's been busy, so you know, hopefully he'll join us soon, but we're not gonna press him on it. Yeah, Jason's a big part of the team. Obviously, he's been busy just like I have outside of here. So uh we're still thinking about you, Jason. Everything's well, he'll be back with us soon. So uh we keep uh as you said last week, Lakina, we keep doing this for you guys. We love you. Uh, we're gonna keep on doing it because this is our passion, this is what we love and and you'll you see and hear us do it every week. We're going to continue to do it. So it's only beginning from here. We don't stop. We just don't stop. This is next level stuff right here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for Casey, Sydney, I'm Lakina. This has been Second City Sports Zoom style. 
<laughs> right. We'll see you guys next week. Bye, guys. Stay Thanks. home. Out. And wash your hands. <laughs> yes. <laughs>